This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Cleary. C is for chunk. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Happy Wednesday. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainer and Enrique Alvarez. Clary are with you on a Wednesday. Hello, Rico. Hello. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's That's going good. pretty good. You seem like you have a lot of thoughts and, and you're just kind of um, juiced up, but not necessarily in a good way. Like you just... You're dude, annoyed. I don't. Dude, You're annoyed by the world. I'm very annoyed by the world. The world is getting very annoying, and what's, I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. Do you want to talk about? I it? get annoyed very easily now. I don't like, like everybody's freaking out. Like the world is ending, and and I've seen multiple up. Oh, Nebraska mm-hmm. basketball sucks. I thought so, this would be my escape from football, but I guess I'm ready for another terrible season. Like, yeah, it's one game. Easy. People, chill yeah. out. Like the season mm-hmm. just started, and they struggled in their first game in front of fans in two years. Their first game, you know, for for your for your biggest star on the team, it's his first game in college for for another for one of your other uh, good freshmen. Again, first game in college. Uh, 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 your starting point guard, he he has experience in the Pac-12, but last season, again, no fans. This season, fans, and you're you, they're they're trying to soak it all up, uh, get the experience, and also they were trying to, in in my eyes, they were trying to. Get the crowd a little too excited as opposed to just playing basketball the way that they know how to play basketball. So okay. so you can expect, you can pretty much bank on Nebraska basketball making more than five threes in every single game the rest of this season and having more than seven assists in every single game the rest of this season. There's no way a Fred Hoiberg offense is only going to make five threes and have seven assists <clears throat> during any other game this season. I don't care who they're – they could be going and playing, you know, Kentucky or Duke or mm-hmm. Michigan State, which they will play, or or Michigan or, or Gonzaga. Like, they will make more threes. They will have more assists because the ball will be moving around the court a lot more in future games. Like, it's just not – this is not going to happen again. Nebraska may lose. They may lose big. They may lose close. But the way that they performed, aside from probably the rebounding battle, which they'll, they'll more than likely lose a lot – um, for a lot of games, the shooting woes will will not. It won't be as bad as it was in that game. Like the amount of threes made and the amount of contested layups taken in the paint. Yeah, the I think what I took away from last night, everybody knew coming in, and we'll touch on on Husker football here in a couple minutes. As always, four zero two four six four five six eight five. The Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Starter Heyman Text Line. Both of those are open for you. All hour long, as well as the Starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. We'll, we'll dive into Husker football. Scott Frost spoke to the media. I went to the press conference, um, so I'll kind of we'll kind of give our thoughts on what some of the things that he had to say, um, stuff like that. But with, with when it comes to Husker basketball, I think what was more alarming last night, like you said, yeah, yes, it was one game. It's the first game of the season, and you do take that into consideration. On the flip side, 
we and we talked about it coming into you know weeks leading up to last night's game. You knew that rebounding was going to be a problem. That's not what was alarming to me necessarily. What mm-hmm. was alarming to me is you you look at a, off, an offense like Fred Hoiberg likes to run, where they really like to space it out, quick ball movement, and and things like that. And I don't I don't I I still believe that this team has a lot of shooters. I I don't expect Wilhelm to have a a poor showing every single night. Obviously, Latman being out may have played a bigger role than maybe some of us thought originally. Um, like you said, Bryce playing in his first se- first college game, and you wonder where Eduardo Andre was. You wonder where that is a good question. Yeah, Eduardo Andre that he we heard in the off season about how he was really built becoming the size that was needed down low in the in the Big Ten conference mm-hmm. and things to deal like with that. The other bigs, um, Alonzo Verge, obviously. Uh, Played well in terms of lighting up the the scores the scoreboard because he led the Huskers in points last night. However, there were things that are still a little alarming. A little too much flash, not enough it, substance. It felt like, and I, I guess maybe maybe DP talked about it on the the post game show with Strick last night with and Bach as well. But it just felt like the offense, and this was the more alarming part to me. It was stagnant. It was very dribbly. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of dribbling. And not a lot of ball movement. A lot of ISO, not enough passing. Yes. You weren't, they weren't moving the ball around the horn. And they weren't, you know, passing from side to side, trying to find an open spot or find an open shooter, create open shots. They were yep. giving it to one person and letting that person dribble out the shot clock and, and see what they could get from it. And I guess I've never been in a situation where Alonzo Verge was yesterday, uh, or last night, I should say, in, in the final seconds. But I would like to say or believe that that's not the desired shot that you want at the end of the game. Do and and in and me saying that it's because of the offense that they want to run. Mm-hmm. Is because you want to drive the drive and then be able to kick it out, find an open guy. And they had open shooters last night instead of running into a group of guys and, and kind of throwing up a, mm-hmm. a reverse layup. Well, in that situation, and, and also with Nick, I've never been in a situation where I've had to drive a basketball into a crowd of people and think to myself, should I take this shot or should I pass it out? So I can't speak on what was going through his mind, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When you see the clip mm-hmm. and you see multiple angles, he had Trey McGowan's open in the left corner. C.J. Wilcher was a little bit up past the break of the three-point line. Uh, so even if he kicked it to Trey, Trey could kick it to C.J. or and you know what have you. But in that situation, you probably think you know maybe if I drive in here, they'll crash and I'll get a foul call. Yeah. But also, you have to think in that situation, the rest do not want to call a foul. You no. do not want to end the game on free throws. You don't want to leave the outcome of the game in the hands of the official. You, you don't want that. And I understand, you know, Alonzo Verge is, is 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 probably a tough shot maker, but in that instance, it's, it's you know, draw the defense in like you did mm-hmm. and then kick it out for a good look, a great look even, to a yep. wide-open shooter. You know, if they miss that shot... You'll take that shot ten times out it's, of ten, as better, opposed to driving in mm-hmm. and getting surrounded by three people and just kind of throwing up a and, prayer. And not necessarily being out of control, but that's the only kind of terminology I can think of or, or description is being out of control and kind of just chucking up a shot. No, no officials going to call a foul. Maybe some will. They'll call not, that earlier in not, the game. Yeah, not many officials will call that in that spot in the game um, when you're just kind of chucking up a shot, reverse layup style as as well. And and one thing that I will say, and we'll get to a couple of your texts here. Um, we're getting a little bit of reaction on the text line here, four six four five six eight five. And 
when you talk about guys getting their own and and getting their points and and making sure that they score with this offense if you run it the way it's designed and the way Fred Hoiberg wants it to be ran mm-hmm. then every guy is going to get their points there every guy is going to get theirs Derek Walker won't light up the 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 stat sheet in terms of points scored but as a facilitator down low, he's going to do his part, and he understands that role. Mm-hmm. Derek Walker's Al- going to do Alonzo, a lot of things not on the stage. Al- Alonzo, Alonzo Verge is going to get his, whether or not he has 10 assists, or we saw last night when he doesn't have 10 or 11 assists like he did in the Colorado game, mm-hmm. then we see him try to force things like that. That was what was concerning to me, is because you saw a, a little bit of a glimpse of, of a Tim Miles type of offense where it's all ISO, and it's trying to find a shot on your own. You waste the shot clock a little bit, and and then you try to find, uh, you try to just mm-hmm. hope and pray that something goes into the bottom of the head, bottom of the net. And ISO ball's not bad. Like these guys it's are, not, no, these guys no, are no, creative. No. These guys are great basketball players. They can create their own shots. Like Alonzo Verge off the off the dribble. I I have no problem with him no. going off the dribble, off the bounce, and creating his own shot, getting his own shot. Bryce McGowan same way. These guys can get their own shots. They can get theirs when they need to. Mm-hmm. But in the context of an entire game. You need to get other people involved. You need to make sure that everybody gets involved because Casey Tominaga, you know, not taking that many shots is kind of a problem for a guy who, as Fred Hoiberg says, you're surprised when he misses a shot. Like, if the shot doesn't go down for him, you are surprised. So Mm -hmm. getting him more involved in the offense is a must. As always, 402-464-5685. The Honda of Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line, both of those are open for you all show long. Let's get to um, a couple of your texts on the text line here. Gabe says this, I totally understand what you're saying, but from a fan's perspective, here we have something to be excited about. They blew out Colorado. The hype is up. There, we've been drinking the Kool-Aid, and then they throw out a stinker first game of the year. Yes, it's early in the season, but we're kind of starting to get used to this over the last 20 years. What I will say to that is, um, I was hoping that this year and maybe this is where I, it's my it's my problem. I was hoping that this year was different. I think that this team has the potential to be a NCAA tournament team, and in that situation, and in, and when you're talking about that, these west the, these losses against Western Illinois will hurt. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games that you want to be invisible when you're looking at on Selection Sunday. And, and instead, now this is going to pop up as an early season loss. And, and if Nebraska takes care of business the rest of the way through non-conference and, and plays quality basketball in the conference slate, then they're not going to have a problem. It's going to be okay. However, if they're at, on the bubble, like a lot of people are expecting them to be with, their, with them flirting either NIT or NCAA tournament, then you're going to want, wish you had this one back. Mm-hmm. And... It's 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 a bummer because we've seen losses like this hurt Nebraska. Whether it's been Incarnate Word, whether it's been um, other, you know, I, I think Gardner Webb was possibly in there at one point. Um, you have those kind of a ga- type of games, and you find out that towards the end of the year, you kind of wish that you had those games back. Mm-hmm. And so we'll we'll see how how Nebraska plays down the road. They have Sam Houston State later on this week. And, and we'll see how Fred Hoiberg, and once again, with this staff especially, getting to know them and kind of learning how they operate and, and the standard that they have. We talk about standards with other programs here at Nebraska, but the standard that they have at Nebraska and, and the players also. I mean, you guys have heard um, DP talk to a lot of the players and, and with the truth of C.J. Wilcher and Kobe Webster 
you understand how these guys operate. You kind of learn the the expectations that they set for themselves as well. Uh, you you kind of understand, and you're not worried about how they respond. I'm not worried about how they respond because they'll be the first ones to tell you that last night was abysmal and they can't let that happen again, no matter who they're playing, whether it's Purdue, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Western Illinois. Mm-hmm. And and so um, they'll they'll be able to operate from, from there here on out. And once again, Breidenbach, I would be shocked if he has another scoreless game or, or has a disappointing game like last night. I would expect to see Eduardo Andre here soon. Trevor Lakes got in the game a little bit last night for four minutes. Bryce McGowan's, he, you can tell that he's one of those guys that makes it look effortless. And that's where I don't want fans to get it twisted necessarily is there are guys out there that make it look effortless. And I'm not necessarily comparing Bryce McGowan's to Kevin Durant, but if you watch Kevin Durant or or any of those top-level guys in the NBA play basketball, they make it look effortless. It doesn't look like they're giving 100%. It just make, and make Bryce, it look like it's super easy yeah, to score. And, and Bryce is one of those, despite um, Bryce sh- shooting 7 of 18 from the field last night and, and 1 for 6 from deep. I mean, you you didn't bring him in to to be a a, a deep range threat. He's not in here to to shoot the lights out from three. He can shoot from three, but you're not going to ask him to sit out at the three point line and and take those shots. He's in there because he is supremely athletic. He's he's an amazing scorer. Maybe not from the three point line, but he can pretty much get to the basket with ease. He has to work on finishing around the rim, but that'll come with time. Um, you know, in the college game, as he as he gets his body used to the mm-hmm. physical contact that he's going to be experienced, especially in the Big Ten Conference, uh, you'll be able to see him finish around the rim a lot easier but I mean you've, you've got to get your shooters involved you've got to get CJ Wilcher more shots you've got to get Kase Tominaga more shots I mean Kase attempted five shots they were all from three he only made one but but him only attempting five shots in his 18 minutes is 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 low for him CJ Wilcher only attempted four shots again all from three you've got to get those guys involved not just from the three-point line but you've got to get them getting to the basket as well getting some easy shots see the ball go through the hoop and then the threes will start falling. Were you surprised, Rico, that they didn't start Bradenbach or Wilhelm over C.J. Wilcher last night? At, at four? like to get more size? Yes. No, I don't. I, not really. I mean, okay. they were starting the C.J. Wilcher started in the the exhibition game, mm-hmm. so you kind of you know he was used to being out there first, and Bradenbach coming off of the bench is kind of a nice change of pace for a big. You know, you've got you've got somebody up there running with Derek Walker. You know banging bodies down low and then you bring in Braden Bach who's who's more of a I don't want it like finesse seems like kind of like an insult to him but mm-hmm. he's he's lighter on his feet than Derek Walker is he's he's a little more technical in what he he gets done uh more of a shooter uh so you bring somebody in who who after that person's getting bruised up by Derek Walker then they have to run out to the three-point line and cover Braden Bach and it just kind of messes with their heads so Nebraska basketball loses 75-74 to in their first game of the season to Western Illinois. Unfortunately for Kobe Webster, unable to find the floor last night because of injury. And uh, Latman as well. Yeah, Latman, Latman as well. All right, let's move on to Husker football. Scott Frost talked a little bit today, 402-464-5685. Where are we standing on the whole staff um, situation as well? It's interesting. He kind of talked a little bit about that. It was the first time we've been able to hear from anybody within the program, despite Trev uh, Trev Alberts on Sports Nightly the other night, um, kind of talk about everything that's happened and how the guys are responding. They're a couple days into practice this week. Um, they ha- they were out of – a couple guys missed practice today, 
but Frost made it clear that they did not, they're not leaving the team. They just had some family stuff going on. Um, so we're not necessarily worried about that. He feels good about where the guys are, um, but in terms of locked in and, and being dialed in ready for the process. And here's an interesting one that I, I want to talk about and, and discuss with you, Rico Mm -hmm. is Frost made it very clear today that he and Trev Alberts have talked about taking him Frost taking a smaller role in the the play calling in the offense specifically and being more of a CEO a just a normal head coach and he actually was asked about how he's going to decide on on an offensive coordinator what needs to go into being an offensive coordinator when you play this I, w- I want to remind you guys what something that we said and talked about in previous days and the unity and the trust that each staff needs to have not only as collectively as as one whole group but also the offensive coaching staff and the defensive coaching staff and one thing that makes the defensive um, staff so they make some mesh so well is that they are all on the same page. They're all speaking the same message, which you can you can um, complain at times that that wasn't always the case with the offensive staff. So here's Scott Frost talking about how he's going to decide on an offensive coordinator and what he's going to um, have reign priority um, in his decision. It's not going to be easy. I got to find somebody that I trust, and and it is, I'm always going to have. I'm an offensive guy. I'm always going to have something to do with it. Um, you know, there's things about being coach in Nebraska that I haven't been able to enjoy because all the time that I've been spending, uh, you know, trying to fix problems and dig ourselves out of a hole and, and get the team better. Um, and I have to spend a lot of time uh, offensively, too. And not that I didn't have the right guys. Uh, again, I can't say enough good about them. Uh, but um, I need to be able to really trust somebody. I'll still be involved. But. Uh, that'll take a lot off my plate and I think help me be even better in some other areas. So he says he makes it very clear that he's going to take a smaller, um, he's going to be involved, but he wants to step back. He wants to find somebody he can trust. And that's no slight to Matt Lubick. I'm not trying to make um, a suggestion that he didn't trust Matt Lubick because I, I don't think that's the case. But when you talk about him being a head coach and, being in charge of the whole entire team, he can't be worried about the play calling. He has to give that up. And that's where Scott Frost has an opportunity to do that. He has one last chance, it feels like. I think it is one last chance, if if it certainly doesn't get better, or certainly doesn't improve, to improve the guys that he has around him, to take a backseat approach into the offensive play calling, to be specific. Mm-hmm. He has that opportunity. Now... We'll get this on the text line, and I already know it's coming before I can even look at it because we got the same things yesterday, is that it hasn't changed in four years. Why would it now? I guess what you can say, and this is where I'll, I'll kind of go on to Scott's side um, to to a degree, is saying that it's his last chance, and he understands that, that it is, this is it. Mm-hmm. That if, if there are no changes and they don't show results, because at the end of the day, this is a results-driven business, and his job is decided on results and affected by results and wins and losses, that if, if he doesn't get it done and something doesn't change for the better, he's not the coach here anymore. And so that's where there's a part of me, I don't know if you'd call it hope, you could call it blind hope, blind faith. <laughs> blind optimism. Yeah, in, in him making a change. And call me crazy, that's okay, but I kind of hope that when his back's now up against the wall and there's no 
Um, no miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Like it is have to It change. is obvious that this is it. Like he's 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 there. His back's against the wall. Things have to change. But like the comments, I I I get to a degree. But I guess what I'm taking out of this, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But what I'm taking out of what he said is that. He didn't trust his offensive coordinators to call plays, which means he was calling the plays himself, which then begs the question, why fire the offensive coordinator if they were not coordinating an offense for you? Did you really, like, he says he's trying to find somebody he can trust. So did you not trust Matt Lubick to call plays, which is why you were you were obsessing over the play calling and obsessing over getting the right plays in and obsessing over, you know, making sure all the right players were in the game for the offense in, the, in certain situations. Did you not want to hand the keys over to Lubick because you didn't believe that the offense he wanted to run was the offense that you believe should be run here at Nebraska. That's that's I'm not putting words in his mouth. That is what I took from his comments is that he didn't trust his offensive coordinator, but he fired his offensive coordinator despite that person not being able to call plays. I don't think that's it. I, I think that he trusted Matt Lubick. I just think it's Scott Frost wanting his fingerprint on the offense. But if he's... And if, wanting to, wanting if he to. He hasn't decide. been able to experience all the things as a Nebraska head coach that he wants to experience mm-hmm. because he's been obsessing over the offense and calling the plays and doing this and doing that. Why, why didn't you hand over the keys to the guy that you you presumably trusted to run the offense? You hired him as your offensive coordinator, and ex- that's exactly what I'm I'm thinking and hoping is changing now that the back is his back is clearly up against the wall. <laughs> Person who spells Kobe with a Y, how does that make no sense? He said he needs to find somebody he can trust. He fired his offensive coordinator, which makes me believe he did not trust him to call the plays, which is why Scott Frost was obsessing over the play calling, and he was not he's not able to experience all of the things that comes with being the head coach at Nebraska. Is that isn't that what he said? Not the not not the him not trusting Matt Lubick, but the him needing to find somebody he can trust to hand over the keys to run the offense so he can take more of a hands-off approach and enjoy being the head coach at Nebraska. That's what he said, right? I don't I don't see it though, and I know you're not saying this. I don't see it as a as a way that he doesn't trust Matt Lubick, and I don't see it as a way as a reason that he fired him because Matt he didn't trust him. Like if that makes I'm not sense. saying he fired him because he didn't trust him. I'm just saying that it didn't he fired work. they needed he changes. fired him and now he's trying to find somebody he can trust to run his offense. That's or run an offense for this team. No, I know, and I'm not saying I, I think the way the whole thing that it kind of has laid out is I think Scott Frost, Frost trusted Matt Lubick to run the offense. He just wanted to run the offense. Scott Scott <laughs> He think, trusted Matt to run the offense, but he didn't want Matt to run the offense because he wanted to run it. He wants he wants to be a part of it. Because I mean, you can his, be a part. You can be is. a part of it as an offensive-minded head coach and not run the offense. You can be a part of it and give your input to your offensive coordinator and not be and, the one calling the plays. And that's exactly what he's saying he wants to do in the future. That's what he wants to do now. Exactly. That's where. That's my exact. My whole point is now that his back is up against the wall. You're hoping that he makes a change like that to where he takes a backseat approach to the offense. Yes, and that's what I'm agreeing with you on. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering why he didn't give up play calling duties to his offensive coordinators before I just think it's one of those things that when his back's up against the wall that's he he's finally understanding it let's go to the Honda Lincoln hotline 402-464-5685 we have Bill on the line Bill what's on your mind man how's it going well uh, like most of us here uh, there's a lot on my mind um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess 
I got a multi-layered question. Uh, first, um, how much, how, how many coaches are we going to replace uh, prior to the season's end? What are the quality of those coaches going to be? Uh, who's going to be willing to come here, uh, knowing that the ship is half sunk, so to speak, knowing that mm-hmm. Frost has only got one year to turn the ship around, so to speak. And then I guess the, 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 the backside of this question is kind of what you guys have just been talking about, you know, getting somebody in that Frost trusts to do this kind of work. And you'll have to forgive me, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, the coach's name, uh, but I believe he was up at South Dakota State and then went to Wyoming with Craig Bowl. And I want to say he's coached, he's a head coach at Minnesota State now. Uh, or Montana State, maybe, but bringing in somebody of that caliber would that would a, would a coach that's teaching uh, a lower division school as a head coach be willing to come here as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, interesting way to look at. It. Appreciate the call, Bill. I think you're talking about Dan Jackson. He used to coach at South Dakota State, and now he's at Northern Illinois. Um, and and Frost kind of alluded to it. He has a lot of people helping him identify proper replacements. And I think we have a quote in there mm-hmm. talking about that. So here's Scott Frost on on if there's people he's looking to for advice on on finding a replacement. There's a lot of people helping me with identifying possibilities. But uh, at the end of the day, these were my decisions, and um, and they will be going forward. One thing I will say to this is, and it it kind of backs up the whole thought of improving the the staff and I, I touched on it Monday when all this kind of came out is that he has an opportunity to build the circle around him in terms of guys that he can go to for football advice because at the end of the day Scott is a younger coach he is obviously learning and he's obviously um you can you can say that when he came in and the whole thing about him the whole offense adjusting to his or Big Ten adjusting to him and and all that you a lot can, of bravado yes you can say that and and he was probably in the wrong looking back hindsight 2020 he was probably in the wrong for saying that those things however now he's clearly understood that it's not going to work without help without help from other guys mm-hmm. and this is an opportunity once again that you can have blind optimism in him changing um, his his ways mm-hmm. and him being okay with handing off some of the the duties, whether that's play calling, whether that's other things going on within the offense, just to be the head coach. And, and can and I, can I say one thing before absolutely. before we like the offense that they currently run has shown that it works in the Big Ten. They've mm-hmm. gotten they've gotten a buku amount of yards. They've scored a bunch of points in multiple different games. There just needs to be small tweaks here and there that push this offense over the hump. Because as people have said, you know, they get a lot of yards. They they move the ball up and down the field on teams, but they can't find their way into the end zone. And, and you know, they can't kick field goals, which is just a whole nother, you know, mess of problems that they've got going on. But the offense they run, it works. There's just small things they need to do here and there to make sure that it works to a higher level where you can actually get points out of you moving the ball between the 20 and the 20. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it's little things like that where maybe having a guy and having the offensive staff on the same page can put Nebraska's offense over the hump. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. We're running a little bit late. Um, we'll get to more next here on the Happy Hour. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.